0: together in interview series exploring the possibilities of cross-architecture development with those who live it. I'm your host, Nicole Huesman. As heterogeneous programming becomes really the norm for developers, the adoption of open standards becomes ever more important, and it's truly been amazing to see the growth of the SQL ecosystem, with now four different implementations to support a diversity of hardware architectures Compute CPP, Tricycle, Hipsicle, and DPC++. Who better to dive into these than my colleagues Axel Alpi and Jeff Hammond? Axel is an engineer on the HBC team at Heidelberg University's Computing Center and a member of the Chronosicle Working Group. He may be best known as the creator of Hipsicle. Axel also leads the development efforts of the recently introduced OneAPI Center of Excellence at Heidelberg University. Axel, so great to have you with us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Jeff Hammond is a principal engineer at Intel, focused on parallel programming models and HPC workload analysis, as well as HPC business and architecture strategy. He's also deep into Sickle and a big proponent of open standards, Jeff, always great to have you on the program.
1: Oh, thanks for having me again, Nicole.
0: So let's dive in and unpack some of the differences in the Sickle implementations for our listeners and what hip and DPC++ bring to the table. All Sickle compilers are based on Clang LLVM, but not in the same way. Axel, can you help us understand this a little bit more?
2: Yeah sure. So from a 10,000 foot level the main difference is that if you look at an implementation like DPC++ or ComputeCpp they have dedicated sickle front ends that live inside clang and DPC++ is basically not built on top of clang it is clang it's a fork of clang. So you have this dedicated sickle front end which then compiles your sickle code to whatever you want to compile for whatever hardware you want to compile for. In hipsicle, what we do is something quite different. What we do is we rely on existing compiler toolchains for heterogeneous computing, and in particular, the HIP toolchain for AMD devices and the CUDA toolchain for NVIDIA devices. Both of them are already available in Clang, so what hipsicle does is that it essentially adds a smallish Clang plugin on top of these existing toolchains that then teaches the Clang, CUDA, or HIP infrastructure to additionally also accept SICL code. But it's still the CUDA toolchain and the HIP toolchain of Clang. It really shows how flexible Sickle is as a model because you can really have these two very different approaches and both of them work. To understand why we did this approach in HIP I think it's useful to talk a bit about the history of HIP why I started it. This has to do with the everyday programming endeavors of a scientist i have a background in computational astrophysics and i used to write software for mpi clusters with gpus and our systems were cuda based but i wanted to be able to support my applications no matter what hardware we were going to have in the future no matter what hardware i personally am going to have in the future so i decided to use open standards and so i used opencl But I found myself oftentimes looking enviously to the CUDA side of things because profilers are better for NVIDIA devices there and certain hardware features are only exposed in CUDA but not in OpenCL. So I wondered, could we have an open standard that also allows us to tie into proprietary tool chains if we need to, if we want to do this, this low-level optimization? And then I came across Sickle and I discovered, well, this could actually work if I build a SQL implementation on top of something that already exists on top of a proprietary language such as CUDA, then I could end up with something where I can basically, if dev compiling for CUDA and then have an optimized code path for CUDA devices that then allows me to use all the latest CUDA features, but then also have a regular sickle code path for all the other devices. And this is exactly what hip allows. So you can really mix and match CUDA or HIP code with your sickle code, thereby creating highly optimized code paths for specific devices.
1: So Axel, I'm really curious on the timing. Were you one of the first implementations or did you
2: see what was going on for a couple of years? Hipsicle, I started in summer 2018, which means it's certainly not the first implementation. Tricycle and ComputeCPP are much older, but that's when it began. This is also the time roughly when I stumbled across Sickle when I was sort of looking for a solution for my problem and looking for an open standard that would allow me to easily build something like this.
1: Now, I'm curious, you know, there was OpenMP and there was OpenACC and then there's things like Cocos. So I'm curious, you know, what are your views on the pros and cons? Because all of them have some pros and some cons. What are your analyses of the different open standards for GPUs?
2: I think they're complementary. So OpenMP, I think, is a great solution if you don't like modern C++ because Sickle is effectively very modern C++. So there are some people that don't like it, which is fine. OpenMP is also a great solution if you have a large code base that already has lots of sequential codes, lots of loops, and so on, and you want to just quickly parallelize that. Then you add your pragma, and then you're done, and you can focus on your science. And uh, so, I think OpenMP is a very, very good solution for this. But if you like modern C, if you create a new code and want to really integrate well with C++, I think a Sickle is a great choice. Cocos is also a very interesting choice in that respect. And I think between Sickle and Cocos are very similar. So, major difference here, maybe, for example, that there are sort of organizational differences like Sickle is a standard, Cocos is not a standard. But I think if you're a programmer between Sickle and Cocos, you will have. Probably a similar feeling. One thing that Sickle does very well that I like a lot is this implicit task graph building with the accessors. And I think this is also something that's in this form almost unique to Sickle in the way that it integrates into the language.
1: So I'm curious, you know, that's a common pattern, it seems. You know, have you gone back and written all the astrophysics code in Sickle, or have you found that <laughs> Sickle to be all consuming enough that <laughs> astrophysics is on ice for a while?
2: Well, it's sort of on my to-do list to revisit that code, but I, I never had the time until now to do that. <laughs> so I think this would be a great project in the future, even if it's just for benchmarking or so, to see how it fares with Sickle.
1: So you mentioned one of the big important properties of Sickle is that it is fully compatible with the native toolchain. I think for me, this feels a lot like the way we use the intrinsics or assembly on traditional languages, you know, x86, for example, people write ABX 512 intrinsics or inline assembly. And of course those things are not ISO standard, but people do that. And as you said, they do it with ifdef. So how have you found that to work? Are you writing applications that mix the two or is it something that is there as a potential, but you find maybe Sickle is actually good enough most of the time?
2: I think from many use cases, especially if you're a scientist and you just want to get your program running, you want to focus on the science, I think Sickle is good as it is. It provides the most important primitives for you to work with. But if you're also interested in getting the maximum out of the hardware or using some features that are not yet in SICKL because they're too hardware-specific, or you're a computer scientist, and you want to make some experiments with the hardware that you have, and you want to really exploit it to the fullest, then I think this can be highly interesting. Also, it can be highly interesting if you're a library developer. So if your job is to build optimized libraries, and you want to have all those optimized code paths for NVIDIA devices, AMD devices, Intel devices, whatever.
1: So on the library front, I know we've talked in the past a bit about this, and this is sort of some of the implementation differences. Can you talk about how Hipsicle integrates with libraries? Are there examples of with TIP or CUDA libraries that have been done so far? And are there things that if somebody out there is wanting to build these things that they should know when they go off to do that?
2: In principle, it integrates with existing CUDA or HIP libraries in the way that every CUDA or HIP program would. For example, I've presented some results at iWocal 2020 with RockPrim, which is AMD's optimized template library for parallel primitives, where I've used Rockbrim in a Sickle kernel with HIP So, this template library, so basically, this means you compile the AMD HIP code into your SICL program and it works. And you get some speed up with that because it's AMD-optimized code. There's not much to consider except for how you ifdef exactly, and this is documented in the Hipsicle documentation. If you want to use more higher-level libraries, such as, uh, say, Kublas or so, then you need a way to access the underlying CUDA or HIP data types from the Hipsicle runtime for example, like a CUDA stream or, or HIP stream or so. And there are also ways to do that. Uh, in particular, in Sickle 2020, there are backend interoperability mechanisms and they are, for the most part, also supported by hip
1: Cool. So one of the things I've noticed is that a lot of the projects in the European Exascale program are targeting standards. And that's, of course, wonderful. And I know Sickle appears in a lot of contexts. You know, how is your collaboration with either Exascale or other European projects, and how does that align with the various hardware swim lanes that European HPC centers are dealing with? Are you working with any centers, or have you found that they're just using your stuff and it just works?
2: I'm not directly working with any centers. We have some HPC infrastructure here, And that's also integrated into the larger statewide HPC infrastructure. So I'm working on that level. And apart from that, I collaborate mainly on GitHub and other development channels with the Exascale people.
1: So you mentioned, you know, how you integrate
2: with NVIDIA and AMD
1: native tool chains, and you haven't mentioned, but I of course know that you have an OpenMP tool chain to make the CPU side work. You know, what does it look like to build a new component into Hipsicle either using an OpenMP model or a native GPU compiler.
2: If you wanted to build, say, a new backend, there there are components that you would need to address. So the first is you need to have support for the runtime side. So you would need to add a new backend for the runtime, which is fairly straightforward. The runtime has C++ base class with virtual functions, these kinds of things, a model for that. So you just implement that interface, and then you're good. If you need some dedicated compiler infrastructure, then you also need to add some compiler driver. We have this SQL CC compiler wrapper, which can then invoke arbitrary compilers. And to make it nice for the user, it would be a good idea if you also integrate your new compiler there. And lastly, you would potentially need support in the Hipsicle kernel library. So basically to make sure that, for example, the SQL math functions are mapped to whatever math function your backend would then provide. So these are the three things that you might want to look at. If you're mainly looking at, for example, a CPU backend, it would be simpler because then compiler is trivial and the kernel library is also basically just the regular host kernel library. So then you can pretty much focus on the runtime part.
1: So we're collaborating in the center of excellence. What are you doing? For that, and then I guess what comes after that in 2021 and beyond for Hipsicle.
2: So, in the Center of Excellence, we focus on implementing certain key sickle 2020 features in Hipsicle. These are features that have originated in DPC but have now been merged into the SICL 2020 specification. And this includes features such as unified shared memory, reductions, group algorithms, subgroups, key features that I think most of the SICL 2020 users are looking forward to. I think these are also features that are highly interesting in general because they extend SICL from a model that was sort of more specific and maybe very good at certain specialized use cases, but was certainly lacking in some degrees to promote it to a true general purpose model, I think, fit for anything that you want to deploy. And I think that's why it's really important that we have widespread implementation coverage of those features. Beyond that, for SICL 2021... There are lots of ideas that I have queued up that I want to implement in Hipsicle. Hipsicle has always been an implementation where we have pioneered new or different or maybe slightly weird interpretations of the SICL standard, starting out with, for example, not using OpenCL. Back when Hipsicle was started in 2018, the SICL specification was Hard coded to rely on OpenCL. And Hipsicle was the first implementation to say, well, in principle, it says OpenCL, but it might just as well work with CUDA or HIP. And so we're just going to do that because there's a benefit. There are some other ideas that I have on the same direction regarding generalization. For example, the meaning of a queue in Hipsicle is already very different, for example, to a queue in most other SQL implementations because the assumption that the SQL specification makes is that a queue corresponds to a backend object in some extent, like a CUDA stream or an OpenCL queue, and so on. In Hipsicle, this is not the case. In Hipsicle, the runtime maintains a pool of backend queues or backend objects, might also be other ways of executing tasks. And then the runtime just distributes all incoming work on top of its backend queue pool. And this allows for some optimizations that we can make regardless of how many SQL queues the user uses. We can, for example, always guarantee the same overlap of data transfers and compute and these kinds of things. But it also allows for novel work distribution features because the SQL queue can then be made to be less reliant on the device it was bound to because it's just an interface to the task graph basically and the runtime distributes the work anyway. So there are lots of design things that I want to try out, lots of new features and new interpretations of the SICL standard.
1: So I think the Celerity Project, which is independent of hip but uses it, they have looked at some interesting ideas and in distributed stuff. I have some ideas about distributed stuff. You mentioned you started with MPI, of course, which is rather common in astrophysics. What do you see is... Sickle beyond just you know one GPU, have you thought about that? What does that look like, and how does that interact with you know the next generation systems we might see in the world?
2: I think that sickle in general, when it comes to interacting with multiple components, be it multiple backends or multiple devices in a backend, I think it has a highly powerful abstraction with the accessors because this can allow you to formulate your program in a data flow style in a very easy and intuitive manner and i think it's not yet ready for true multi-device computation in particular because the memory model requires sub-buffers for certain guarantees and that is complicated but it's also something that Hipsicle doesn't need because hypsic memory management also works differently so this is also something where i want to spend some time on In general, I think what the celerity people do is that they formulate MPI data transfers with an implicit formulation similar to how accesses work with regular SQL code. And I think this is a highly interesting approach because it allows you to formulate communication in a similar way, regardless of whether it's between multiple devices, multiple nodes, or host and device. And I think this is something that we need to work more with in in the future and explore how this concept that we have in SQL, how this can actually be utilized to its fullest potential.
1: Now, like me, you're a fan of buffers and accessors and data flow as a very powerful concept for letting, you know, the compiler and runtime do the right thing. Obviously you're implementing USM and I think, you know, we have a lot of users who really like their pointers. How do you see those two evolving? How do we get the best of both worlds? Are we missing features? Or is this just a question of, you know, we have to educate people and help them make the right choices on their designs.
2: I think USM is an extremely important feature mainly because of two reasons. One, it allows users to use complex pointer based data structures in a simple way. And the other is for deployment reasons, because. There are existing frameworks that assume that there is some pointer-based interface. There are libraries that assume a pointer-based interface. And there are portability tools, for example, the tool to migrate from CUDA to SQL, which Intel has, would probably be almost impossible to write if there weren't any pointers in Sickle. Now, what accessors, on the other hand, provide is a very portable way of formulating your memory accesses if you write usm program you either use explicit data copies in which you hard code basically your data copies which is a problem if for example you target cpu because then those data copies might not even be necessary or you use the shared allocations which migrate automatically but then the sickle runtime has no idea what is happening and cannot use information about data transfer sizes or so for its scheduling decisions because it's all handled at a lower level in the driver so and i think there's definitely a huge gap between those two features and we need to work on how to integrate them and this could for example be that we add additional hints to the usm world to say okay runtime now i'm going to use this part of USM memory, and I expect that it will have to be transferred, so please take that into account with your scheduling decision. Or even better, that we sort of find some continuum between the two, sort of like we construct a buffer with a USM point, or we have a buffer that operates on USM pointers, and we can, if we want, construct accessors from it, but we can also directly operate on the USM pointers. And then do whatever we want, what is more convenient for one kernel, maybe use accessors in one kernel and use M pointers in the next or so. This is something that I think we need to work much more in, in Sickle and also prototype much more. Because I think that no implementation has the full interoperability between the two models yet. And in HipSicle we already have buffers that are inherently based on USM pointers, so we can expose much of that, but it's not yet done.
1: Yeah, that would be a nice feature. I- about that at a high level but that'd be cool to play with in hipsicle so you know it's funny i think hipsicle is often associated with the hip stack but as you've already told us you support CUDA and openmp are you looking at any other devices any other platforms or are you focused on the gpu front and then evolving the language
2: yes i'm always interested in adding more backends and experimenting with how sickle would work on those backends for example i think One thing that's in particular very interesting to try out would be an OpenMP5 backend. It's not yet fully clear to what extent this can work in SICL. There are some things where SICL exposes more features than OpenMP5, basic things like querying device information. So this would be something where we would need to experiment to see how far we can take that. But I think that would be highly interesting and also highly useful because it would also allow us to target Intel GPUs. And I think it would be great if HipSicle could target GPUs from all three vendors. And looking a bit more in the future, AMD has announced that HIP is going to be also used for their acquired Xilinx FPGAs. So if this truly turns out to be the case, then I think we could also play with FPGAs in the future with Hipsycle. I think it would be also very, very interesting. Another thing that I'm highly interested in is backends that are not based on queues. Because up to now, most backends that are used in SQL implementations are based on some sort of queue, CUDA streams, OpenCL queues. But especially if you're on CPU, for example, the task graph backend might be even more interesting maybe. And there are various options to consider. Maybe even an existing heterogeneous task graph model where you can target both CPUs and GPUs. So there's lots of room to experiment and improve here.
1: Is there anything you're looking for from the community? You know, what would you- people do if they wanted to contribute to the HipSicle project as either a user or a Linux maintainer or a vendor or a compiler expert?
2: Well, the first step I think would be to just reach out on GitHub. If you open an issue there, usually I respond very, very quickly. Then we can work out how we can work together. I'm also always interested in working together with other people. So if you want to collaborate with me, just let me know. And I'm sure we can find some way to give you some nice work in Hipsicle because the project is large and the team is small there's a lot to do
0: (laughs) you know the sql ecosystem is such an exciting place right now and obviously the two of you and many others are really living this journey axel it's great that you're really leading the development at the one api center of excellence we'd love to have you back on the program to talk more about that i'd also like to mention a couple of other things Axel, you have a panel discussion with Joe Curley, Jeff McVeigh, David Blythe, and so we'll put a link to that panel discussion when we publish this podcast. And then I'd also like to point folks to a presentation and demo that Jeff is doing for GitHub Universe around OneAPI and DPC++ and Sickle, so we'll also put a link to that as well. With that, any other pointers as to where folks can go to learn more about Sickle? I know, Axel, you mentioned the different places for Hipsicle. Jeff, for you, how about where folks can go to learn more about DPC++? And there's
1: a couple of different places. My GitHub profile has a couple of different repos. One of the things that I have that might be interesting to folks, especially who are curious about, you know, how does Hipsicle stack up to CUDA or HIP? I have this little project with Tim Matson and a bunch of friends called the Parallel Research Kernels where i recently actually finally added hip support and i ran hip and hip and it turns out hip performs exactly the same so standards don't cost you a thing and you get portability so you can see that in that code and i've written a couple other simple demos obviously intel has all the one api tutorials and then of course my good friends and colleagues have written the dpc book and the apress github has all of the code from that book, and I think you'll link to that, I'm sure. So there's just so much out there. I will also plug Tom Deacon from Bristol University, has a number of wonderful projects using Sickle, and also showing the same thing, which is that HipSicle performs as well as native APIs where it supports things. And so Tom's proved that as well. So I think it's a great affirmation of what HipSicle has been doing and how portability is uncompromising on performance in
2: many ways.
0: Excellent. Thank you. And Axel, any other pointers for listeners in terms of where they can go to learn more?
2: If you want to learn more about the sickle ecosystem, a good place to look is also always sickle.tech, where news articles, blog posts, and talks, and these kinds of things are listed about the Sickle ecosystem.
0: Excellent. Thanks so much for being here, and for sharing your insights. We look forward to having you back on the program.
2: Sure. Thank you very much.
0: And Jeff, It is always such a pleasure to talk to you and to gain your insight. So thanks for being here. Oh, it's
1: always fun. Thank you very much for setting this up.
0: Absolutely. And for all of you listening, thanks so much for joining us. Let's continue the conversation at OneAPI.com. Until next time.